The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown. To zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zero Waste Countdown podcast and radio show. Today, we're speaking with Matt Daigle from Rise. You can find his website. It's called buildwithrise.com, and he's the leading online authority in sustainable home improvement. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you. Thanks so much for having me. So you have a company called Rise. Can you tell me a little bit about the company? Uh, Sure. So Rise is essentially an online platform and community where homeowners can meet and uh, essentially learn more uh, about sustainable home improvement. So we essentially arm them with resources, whether that's inspiration through photos or information about products, uh, even rebates and incentives, um, everything they need to essentially have a home that is more sustainable in every way. So does that mean incentives like state by state? Uh, Yeah, state by state or province by province. As far as we know, we're the only site uh, in North America right now that has all rebates and incentives for all provinces and states um, across uh, North America. So typically these come from uh, municipalities or uh, utilities, uh, primarily utilities. And uh, so if you just basically tell us uh, which state or which province you live in, we can then serve up all the, the rebates that apply to you. Wow, that must be a lot of work because I know with uh, the flip-flopping of different government parties, especially in my province of Ontario, um, the incentives were like changing all over the place, right, with the new government. So um, that must be a lot of work to keep up on those, I guess. <laughs> uh, it, it is. <laughs> I think there's some rebates that have been in there for some incentives that have been in there for, for quite some time and haven't really changed. There are other incentives, though, that are changing um, almost quarterly or, or at least biannually. And so it's, uh, it, it does require some, some effort, but it, it is a, a good um, traffic source for us in getting folks to our site and, uh, and getting engaged. Do you sell things as well, or is it more like you're advertising um, services and products for other, other companies? Yeah, so um, up until uh, just a couple months ago, actually, it was essentially focused on building out an audience. So we essentially created a mountain amount of content around sustainable home improvement research, various products that are available to you. Now we've really grown up as being an agnostic source an objective source for homeowners. So we really are working to become the authority in online and sustainable home improvement. So for the most part, uh, up until a couple months ago, we were giving just objective information with some examples of manufacturers that offer this. But now we're actually starting to work with manufacturers where they can have a profile on our site. They can upload products uh, and projects where their products have been featured. And uh, just because homeowners have been just asking, right? Like they, you know, if, if we're telling a homeowner to go and buy LED bulbs, you know, the kind of the next step is, okay, I'm sold on LED bulbs. Now tell me all about the manufacturers that, that carry them and, and where I can buy them. Uh, so we actually just just started doing that. Oh wow! Okay, so you can kind of look at the the different providers, and do you provide information on like whether those companies are sustainable or not? Is that is that a a thing as well? Uh, yeah, so that's actually something that's sort of in the works for us. The companies that we're currently working 
with have essentially met our our criteria for uh, for sustainable uh, companies. That said, though, kind of a, a future state for us is 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 going to be evaluating these companies on uh, on what they do, and that can be in a variety of ways. It could be from uh, their manufacturing process to their packaging to how they treat their employees and uh, you know social responsibility and, and these types of things. So um, these are all things that we're we're keeping in mind, and that's it is a that's the, that is a future state for us. That's really great. There's so many things to look at, especially upstream. So, you know, you buy something at the store, but then there's this whole world behind the product that you can dive into. And that is sometimes difficult to find. And like you're saying, like, let's say I go to Home Depot and I have two light bulbs in my hand and they're from totally Mm -hmm. different companies. Like one of them might be doing really good things for the environment and one of them might be absolutely terrible. How do I tell? Right. So, yeah. And typically the the way we've kind of looked at that is um, we, we look at all of these things as benefits for the homeowners and we've kind of split up the, you know, this, I think it was about 10 benefits that we met that we measure, but it kind of boils down to three main benefits, which are health, wealth, and the planet. So whether they benefit the, the homeowner's health, uh, so obviously products that aren't toxic or harmful or don't emit VOCs or uh, any sort of toxins for the, the home's occupants, uh, products that and materials that um, help the homeowner's wealth, so helping you save money uh, through through its use, and then through the um, benefits for the planet, obviously um, reducing our footprint through the, the use of these products. So that that's essentially how we've uh, how we've looked at it today. Did you say VOCs? VOCs, yeah. What are those? So volat- volatile organic compounds. So there's a lot of products and and, and materials that we buy today and. Um, that you know they 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 come with uh, a boatload of chemicals and toxins that you know are pre- that become then present in our environment, and uh, we have to be very mindful of those things because you know uh, unfortunately through the years uh, products and materials that have made it into the home we think are safe for us, but they aren't always safe for us. And um, that's one of the, the things that we, we look at is the, the health of the occupants. Yeah. So like the off-gassing yeah. of laminate flooring or something um, or paint, like stuff like that. Uh, things like that. Yeah. So there's a lot of, especially finishes uh, is where we typically find a lot of BOCs. So um, cabinetry, um, so any sort of mill work in the home. Uh, Those are typically, you know, very high levels of formaldehyde are typically found in those. Um, So there are alternatives to that and they they don't they don't cost more. And then there's obviously finishes. So anything that anytime where you see like a wood finish or um, any any sort of paint. There's other things also that off gas in in uh, in different ways that that you can't see, Uh, you know, for example, um, different types of insulation some traditional spray foaming methods or even some older fiberglass insulation, you know, can off gas for, for years. It's good to make people aware of, uh, of these things because um, you kind of don't know what you don't know. I just had one question though. Spray foam, sure. is does that release VOCs? Like spray uh, foam insulation? It, it it does. Spray foam is uh, is getting better and better uh, as, as the, uh, as the years go by and as the, the, uh, the chemical composition of spray foam evolves, it is getting better. During the installation process is where the biggest dangers really are. That's why you see the folks who install uh, spray foam, they have full suits and breathing apparatus um, just to make sure that they are not breathing in those, those chemicals. So 
It, it is a, a product that comes from the petrochemical industry. And uh, <clears throat> the other big thing with spray foam is it has a huge footprint on the environment. And that's actually through its insulation. When you install spray foam, um, you have to use these blowing agents. And these blowing agents traditionally have a very high global warming potential or GWP number. And we're talking a number in the, in the thousands. Now they're starting to, to develop uh, spray foams that have a much lower GWP number, and, and you can get some as low as low as one in, instead of like thousands, which is uh, which is which is a huge improvement. But it definitely is something that um, folks are increasingly uh, mindful of. I, actually, I just got a call from our video, videographer uh, the other day, and he's doing some efficiency improvements to his home, and he's got three young kids under the age of four, and he's he just calls me up out of the blue and says, "The only thing he asked me is." got one question for you. I really want, want to put spray foam in my basement. Is it safe for my kids? When spray foam is, is uh, installed, it also has to, um, it has to off gas uh, at least for 24 hours. Um, they, sometimes I think, I believe the EPA recommends up to 72 hours for off gassing. So if, uh, if you basically have to leave your home for, for that amount of time, but after that, um, it, it does become inert. And so there shouldn't be any off gassing after that. Fiberglass is one that we've seen where off-gassing kind of happens later, you know, for, for, for years. And that's just kind of installed in your walls. But that, that's, a, that's a product that also has a, a very high level of formaldehyde traditionally. Some newer fiberglass installations, though, have, um, have mitigated that with, uh, with other binders. Yikes. I think that's what I have because that's like the traditional pink fluffy stuff. Yeah. And those, uh, <clears throat> so there, there are some, some better varieties of that now. So when I say fiberglass insulation, that's not all fiberglass insulation. It's uh, traditionally speaking. And so stuff that you might have installed 10 years ago would probably have that. Uh, but today, you know, like some of the stuff that you get at Home Depot, most of the time will be safe. Oh, good. Well, I just built my home two years ago, so hopefully it's safe. But someone was telling me to do spray foam and I didn't really know much about mm-hmm. it. And I, I didn't end up doing spray foam. So it's interesting. Um, it's interesting to hear about that. The other thing that I'm I'm looking for is like a reusable furnace filter, because if you have a furnace, if you're listening, you will know what I'm talking about with those like big filters that you have to change every couple months or else your furnace really doesn't work very well. My next kind of like zero wasting my home journey will be to get a reusable washable filter instead of having to throw those out. Do you have those on your website? Filters? We don't talk about filters all that much. We talk a lot about um, air purification Uh, We also talk about um, HRVs and furnaces in general are starting to date themselves. Like there are much more efficient heating solutions out there now. And um, just with filters, it's it's just, I guess the only thing I would really add is um, make sure you select a a very high, a very good quality filter uh, that, that filters out as, as much of the, uh, the air as possible, because if, especially if you don't have an alternate mechanical ventilation system in your home, that is because uh, that's really the air that you're breathing in that's just being recirculated and you know also making sure that not only your filter is is up to date and, and clean and all that but also your ducts if your ducts haven't been clean in several years th- that's just air that's you know it's riddled with whatever from yeah. over the years so that's yeah. something that that's uh, important as well yeah we have an hrv system and then a, a heat pump so that it heats and cools oh nice but only until Thanks. minus 15 Celsius. So I do have propane that has to kick in if it's colder than minus 15, which in Canada it, it does get to. But for the most part, we just rely on the, the heat pump, which I think is pretty good. Yeah, and, and that's what our site really aims to do is to 
uh, kind of point you in the right direction. And so for a lot of homeowners, like this stuff is, it's, you know, it's a lot to take on. Um, oh, it's so a lot much. to learn and yeah. there's so much, you know, research that you have to do and it shouldn't have to be that hard. You know, it should be really, really easy to have a home that is just better for the environment, better for your pocketbook and better for your health. So mm-hmm. uh, that that's really what we, what we aim to, to do at, at Rise. Yeah, it's really hard to find contractors that that do care about sustainability or the environment because when I built my house, that was not an issue. Like I, I had an issue with, you know, the construction workers are dropping cigarette butts everywhere and their lunch garbage, like, and that's my land. Mm-hmm. I just mentioned like, make sure they clean up the cigarette butts because I don't want to live in a place that has cigarette butts all over the the yard. And it was like, I can't do that. That's what the contractor said to me. He's like, I can't do that. I'm like, well, you got to because, you know, I'm not going to live in a trash landfill like after you guys are done. (laughs) Like it was just this point of like tension between us a little bit that, yeah, a lot of stuff was getting thrown out and some of the stuff, I don't know how sustainable it was, but you know, when you're building a home, you're often in a hurry, often, maybe not all the time, but there usually is a bit of a hurry to it. If you're you're paying for the builder's mortgage and whatnot. So um, yeah, it would be nice to have more resources when it comes to this stuff because it is a big part of our carbon footprint is where we live, right? So um, you're going to start telling us about your company and, and how it started and all that stuff, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can, uh, I can do that now. I um, My journey with this started early 2014. So 15 years ago, my around the same time my, uh, my wife and I purchased our first home together, we had this goal of renovating the house uh, pretty well as, as quickly. So we bought this house as a, a fixer-upper. And uh, we, we wanted to, to move into the house, but um, at the time we were expecting our first daughter. And uh, so, so we were kind of, it's kind of the mad dash. Like you said, you're, sometimes you're, you're in a rush to, to finish these things. And uh, we were trying to get uh, into the house as, as quickly as possible and but still have a, a beautiful home. And um, so we renovated the place for six months, moved in. And uh, just a month after that, our, our first daughter, Audrey, was born. And, uh, and, and for the most part, you know, the, the, the house looked great. Uh, it was maybe 85% done. And uh, it looked great. But uh, And my wife, actually, my, my wife happens to be an interior designer. So she, she made sure of that. She made sure that it, it looked really nice and it was functional. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, I picked up my first power bill. And then I realized that it hadn't changed. Uh, from the beginning of the renovation. And here we are, we had just invested over six figures into this place and our power bill doesn't look any different. And so to me, it was like a total fail. Like we, you know, we we missed the boat somewhere. And now that we have a newborn, I have all these new questions because for me, having your first kid, it like makes you start to think about the future a lot more and, you know, what you're you're leaving behind for them and, you know, our our collective footprint um, as a family. So... I have all these questions. I go online. I don't, you know, I come from the tech sector. Uh, and so I obviously always gravitate uh, online for answers and I didn't find anything, you know, the, the resources that were out there were extremely technical and confusing or very opinionated. And I thought maybe we can make a company out of this. And uh, because I'm, I was just an average homeowner, like everybody else. And um, so that's essentially what rise. Uh, that's the problem that rise is, is looking to solve is how can we make sustainable home improvement, you know, really built into the DNA of home improvement so that it becomes so seamless and easy for any homeowner to have a home that's going to benefit the uh, their health, their wealth, and, and the planet. So, 
That's awesome. Yeah, having kids does make a big difference. And of course, it doesn't have to. Like, you do not have to have kids to care about the environment. Like, that's not no. what, what I'm saying. But for me, it was a catalyst. That's when I started looking into BPA and toxins and <laughs> packaging and, and different foods. Cause I was like, I'm not going to be responsible for messing up my child and those sorts of ways. So I just hit the books. Like when I was pregnant, I was just reading and reading and reading nonstop. I went and got some of my old university textbooks of like psychological infant and childhood development and was just like learning everything I could. And I've heard actually from other guests on the show that that's, that was their aha moment to either start a company or to be more sustainable is they have this little child that they're supposed to take care of and they start to look around and realize that maybe it's not the safest or healthiest environment and then, you know, look for positive changes. So I do, I do hear that, um, that children are, are often uh catalyst, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah, they absolutely are. I, I, uh, it's, it's almost as though we think we can't like we uh, ourselves, this isn't, it's not enough of a reason, but when you have kids, it's like that extra incentive to be like, okay, like what's, what's really going on here. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that all of that happened. And, uh, and now we're, uh, I can, I can actually feel a lot better about the stuff that's going into our home and, um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully, the, the resource that we've built so far is helpful for other homeowners who, who want to do the same. Yeah, absolutely. And you are a certified B Corp, is that right? We are, yeah. As of uh, May 2019, uh, we became a certified B Corporation. And uh, yeah, that's a really exciting, uh, really exciting thing. I'm, I'm sure your, your uh, listeners are probably familiar with, with B Corps, but if not, B Corps really sort of exists in between the yeah, for-profit company and a non-for-profit company. So uh, B Corps typically focus on the triple bottom line. So people, planet, and profit. And so instead of making all your decisions based on the financials and, and the numbers, you make them based on the financials, yes, but also people within the company and outside the company and uh, and the planet. So whether or not the, the things that you're, you're doing are, are benefiting the planet at the same time. Uh, and so that was really, uh, that was something that I knew from the, you know, I knew five years ago that we would go through that hurdle. Like it was kind of a, a goal of mine personally to, to become a B Corp. I was inspired by, um, you know, folks like Yvonne Schwinnard of Patagonia, who oh, yeah. um, has kind of been um, a, a trailblazer uh, on, on that end. And actually, we recently also joined um, 1% for the planet. So we now oh, give good. back 1% of our revenue to um, environmental nonprofits. So uh, that's also exciting as well. And that, that actually also came out of Patagonia, um, uh, funny enough. So, yeah. That's awesome. And I think that you said it uh, a hurdle. Like, it is difficult to get that certification, is it not, to be a, a certified B Corp? <clears throat> it's, not, it's not an easy thing. So there's about 3,000 companies that exist worldwide today um, that are B- certified B Corps. And that number is growing. And it's, uh, it's really, really nice to see. I, I was... I was um, lucky to go to the the annual Champions Retreat uh, in Los Angeles uh, in September that just passed, and it's so inspiring to see all these companies come together and just you're like instant family when you go to these things. And um, you're right, uh, the process took uh, like the, for any company that's planning to do this, the process takes uh, anywhere from six months to a good year of time. Uh, to, to go through all the, the questions. And a lot of it also is, is formalizing, you know, for, for an earlier company, for a, a newer company, 
might be a little bit easier to do this because you're creating documentation or even company policies that didn't really even exist before. Um, for you know, a company that's been around for a while, you do have to kind of go back, look at your current policies, and maybe adjust them accordingly. Uh, but uh, I would I would say that's probably how how long it takes to to get through that that process. Yeah, we took up a small uh, space in in downtown Fredericton uh, in New Brunswick, and we uh, essentially renovated it to lead and well standards. So we kind of uh, do, you know dog booted as as you would say, like we we. Uh, practice what we preach, so to say. And so a lot of the, the things that the finishes and the um, the materials that were used in the construction of the space were all vetted and um, and researched. And essentially, we, we chose the, the best of the best in that regard. Just, you know, from things like instead of introducing a brand new flooring in the space, we uh, simply ground down the, the existing concrete and polished it. And, uh, and now, now it's super, super nice and comfortable. And uh, to, to other things like having a, a living wall. So we have this oh, gigantic nice. plant wall where, you know, it's kind of like the, the big thing that you see when you walk into the space. And, it you know, you can tell it makes a difference in people's um, day-to-day and uh, things to, to keep, keep people happy. Oh, that's very cool. Did you say that you're in New Brunswick? We are, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that you're Canadian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Me too. <laughs> cool. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of our listeners are American, and we we do have um, a few hundred Canadian listeners, and uh, we broadcast now on Queens County Radio in Nova Scotia, which I guess isn't too close to you in in New Brunswick. What is the what is the environmental situation like out in New Brunswick? Is there a zero waste store there? Are people sustainable? Like, what do you see out there? Hmm. I'd love to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm from here, kind of born and raised here. And as much as I want to say that we are industry leading and I want to say good things about our province, I guess it wouldn't be a, an accurate picture of reality. So I, we are a bit behind when it comes to things like uh, waste management. And for the most part, um, I, and I should say that's for our city. There are other cities like uh, Moncton, which is a couple hours away. They are doing much better on that front than we are. But you know, the, the climate here is, it's becoming more and more relevant for people. Like, uh, so Fredericton is sort of divided uh, by the St. John River. And uh, every year, uh, every spring, we get some pretty nasty floods, and especially in the last few years. Which oh, my is, gosh. Yes. Has been un- un- uncommon for us. And uh, so people are, you know, I think that's actually starting to paint a bit of a picture for folks and making it really are relevant because a lot of uh, people are having to be um, displaced by this. People are losing their homes. It's pretty serious. And so on, on that side, uh, I think people are starting to wake up a bit. We're starting to see, I just saw a Tesla drive by that, that, you know, where's, there's more of those things, but uh, you know, the, the, um, from a, a, the waste side, I feel like we could do a lot better. One, one of the, one of the things that um, you mentioned earlier uh, was when you were building your house and, you know, uh, construction waste is um, is a big is a big one that we we talk a lot about at Rise um, because you know when you're especially when you're building a house or even renovating you know renovating creates a, a lot of debris and um, you want to make sure that that is uh, that stuff is recyclable because it is about ninety percent of that debris or that construction waste can be sorted and recycled if you have the right facilities and unfortunately we don't in Fredericton 
but there are other cities and municipalities. Like I, I was in I was in Minneapolis for a video shoot last year, and a gentleman was uh, renovating a home, and he actually tore down most of it, cut the foundation, and all the materials from the old home because it was in such bad shape. They were still able to salvage ninety six percent of those materials and divert them to be recycled. And um, that's awesome. So that's that's great. And I I should say like recycling is not always the answer. You want to just recycle more. Like you just want to, you, you actually want to recycle less. You, you want to have less waste in general, right? Yeah. Um, even yeah. though you can recycle, that's all good. One of the interesting things that we are starting to see as well is we get a, a ton of our traffic comes from people interested in prefab homes. And prefab homes are essentially one of the answers to construction waste on site, especially for new builds. Because new builds, you get your plot of land and then Contractors come in, they bring in their materials and, you know, they build the house as they go. And well, a lot of the work is done there, right? So there's like scraps and cuttings and nails and all the, all the stuff, right? Exactly. And so a lot of that ends up uh, in the landfill and prefabricated homes are essentially the answer to that, where a house is built in part or in chunks offsite in a warehouse. And that's actually a really great way to mitigate uh, a lot of the, the on-site waste that, that happens. And even, you know, building it off-site, they're able to reuse a lot of the materials that they they take from one house and reuse it on another house. And uh, it's, it's just a much more efficient way to utilize uh, construction waste. And uh, so that's actually something that we've seen a, a tremendous uptick in, in traffic and people interested in prefab, uh, prefab homes. Wow, that's awesome. I've never thought about that before. I just got really excited when you said that because yeah, there was there was so much just garbage from just doing the work on site. That could Yeah, and yeah, it's a really interesting industry. And some of these prefab homes, like you can get them at different stages, like some stages where they're they're just shipping in panels and then they assemble assemble the panels in a few days and then uh and, and then you're kind of left to finish the inside. Uh, where some are almost completely finished and they're almost like modular and where they, they just ship chunks of the home and then, you know, kind of screw them together in a few days and, and it's done. So it does shorten the time to assemble the house um, on site and obviously reduces the, the waste there. You know, the only big one there is, is transportation, making sure you can get it to the site. But, uh, you know, other than that, it's a, just a great way to, um, to mitigate a lot of that, that waste. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. So if if we were to give listeners and, and myself, of course, just sort of one takeaway, if we need to do some renovations on our home, what are the top few items that we should be looking at to make the most environmental impact? <laughs> that is a loaded question. I guess it would kind of depend, like if you live in Canada, like you need to have good windows or else all your heat's going to go out, right? Or... Maybe it's a furnace. I don't know. Yeah, if you're if you're looking at the environment and like the uh, operational footprint of a house, and so you know on a daily basis, how much how much energy are you using? And I would say uh, efficiency is paramount. So having a home that's incredibly well insulated is um, with with proper mechanical ventilation is by far one of the the best things to do. And, and there's so many more benefits to doing that beyond just saving electricity, lowering your footprint and helping the environment. But there's other benefits like healthy indoor air quality or comfort, just general comfort inside the home. So one type of home that we hear a lot about on our website is um, Passive House. And Passive House is 
a building standard that originated out of Germany. And it's now made its way to North, North America, and a lot of uh, homeowners are gravitating towards this type of building. But it's essentially, it's really a, a simple way to build when you think about it. You essentially build a, a wall that's much thicker than a typical wall. So if you're in Canada, you're going to be in a, a much colder climate. So we see, typically see wall thicknesses anywhere between 18 and 24 inches wide. And, you know, so you compare that to the typical, you know, six inch studded wall that, you know, most builders build to today. Um, it's, it's quite a departure, but essentially what you're doing is hyper insulating this shell of a house and then having a very, very good HRV system to bring, to constantly bring uh, fresh air in and stale air out. The impact of doing that um, is, you know, I can't even describe it, just the, the comfort that you feel in stepping into a passive house, but also, you know, lowering your energy bill. Uh, if you ever think of putting solar on your house, it would obviously lower the uh, the size of the system that you would need. A lot of these passive homes uh, are heated with what they call a, a toaster heater. It's literally has the same heat output as a as a toaster. That's how small the heating load is necessary for these homes. And you can wow. even leave if you're in a you know if you're in Ontario, like you are, you could leave your your passive house two months in the winter, not have the heat turned on, and your your pipes wouldn't freeze. You know, so that's how well it, it retains heat. And um, I think that's probably one thing that I would suggest is focus on efficiency because it, it also helps you do other things down the road where if you're looking to, to upgrade to things like solar, it drastically reduces the cost of your solar array and maybe even eventually will allow you to live off grid. Well, this has been really awesome, Matt. So thank you for coming on the show and uh, teaching us a little bit about home improvements. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Awesome. That was Matt Daigle from Rise. You can find his website, buildwithrise.com. He is the leading online authority in sustainable home improvement. Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. (laughs) 